Hello and welcome to the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today we're going to be talking about this new documentary on HBO Max called The Way Down. It's this culty, it's it's like a it's a documentary about this cult religion, but it's also a weight loss program. So of course immediately my interest was piqued because I watched all the Scientology documentaries and going clear and I'm just I'm I'm very much fascinated by all things to do with religion in general. I'd say I'm uh, more spiritual than anything. I don't practice a, a specific religion. I respect all religions, but not cults. Cults are scary as hell. But I'm I'm fascinated by people that fall into these into these situations. And and honestly, it can happen to a lot of us. I mean, I've been scammed multiple times, and the the way I was scammed is just I, I'm like, what is what was I thinking? And and so I, I do know that people can be very influenced, and it's scary to think that you can fall into such influence for so many years, because some of these members that uh, were featured in this documentary were ex-members, but they had been in for anywhere from five to seven to nine years of their lives, 13 years of their lives. And it's it's to, to lose that much of your life to something that really became torture and was just I mean well let's get into it so so the it starts out actually with a plane crash now if anyone does not believe in karma this shows you that karma is real because all the motherfucker leaders of this religion this cult went down in a fiery plane crash so they got their comeuppance and I think that was you know, I I believe in karma. So anyway, so it starts out with uh, just kind of like a foreshadowing of the fact that there's going to be a plane crash. You don't actually know until much later that everybody died. Um, but again, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen this. Sorry, I probably should have said that at the beginning of the episode. But uh, yeah, so we're if you haven't seen this documentary, go watch it and then come back to this episode unless you like to have a precursor to documentaries you watch. Anyway, so this this whole religion and sorry, I, I shouldn't call it a religion. It's a cult. This cult takes place in Tennessee. And as we know, the South is much more uh, religion focused than a lot of other places in the world. And she grew up in Tennessee. Uh, I think she was in Tennessee. She was definitely in the deep South somewhere when she grew up. But she, what she recognized is that she had no credibility or ability to rise to leadership in the, the traditional religions that are out there. You know, a lot of religions that are out there put baby in the corner. They're just, they're very much misogynistic. There's, there's, you know, there are some religions where women can have those those types of roles but um but a lot of religions are very uh very about keeping the woman down so i have to give her credit for wanting to start her own religion and wanting to 
run it so that women can rise to power. Although it didn't, she actually didn't believe that. If that had been her intent, that would have been kind of a cool thing. But she actually put men above women, but just put herself above men. So she put herself at the top of the religion, but she would say throughout the documentary that men are above women. So that's fucking bullshit. I do not like this woman. Uh, she had this, and, and you see her at the very beginning with this huge bouffant. She's testifying in court. So obviously, again, foreshadowing that they're going to get uh, in trouble for some of their practices. But anyway, so she's she has this huge pile of hair that's kind of southern, but but huge. Higher the hair, closer to God, I think is the the term, but she definitely defines that. Very tan, very, very thin. You can definitely tell that she uh, probably does not have the best balance in her life for her own eating habits because she looks anorexic. Uh, Big eyelashes, tons of makeup. Uh, I had heard that she dresses very scantily. I wouldn't say it. she looked like a hooker. Some of the people thought she looked like a hooker. I thought she looked like a classy hooker. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, she, you know, she she was trying to dress for this new man that was in her life. Anyway, we'll get there. But she was very – so before the religion started, she had started this weight loss program. And she had written a bunch of books. And the, the program was called The Way Down. And so this is where I was really disappointed. I thought that we were going to learn – about this. I was just fascinated by what the weight loss program was. And I, you know, because I'm just really interested in what anybody is doing. But this, the the reality of this diet program is there was no real structure to it. No, you could eat anything supposedly, just as long as you. So it's about turning to God, instead of turning to food. And what she would preach is that God tells you, God gives you a signal when he wants you to eat. And that's when your tummy is growling. So basically, you're supposed to wait until your stomach is growling, uh, until you're ravenous, to consume food. And there's, it didn't seem like there was a guidance in terms of choosing whole foods or choosing food that has volume so that at least you're full or it there's no focus on nutrition or macros or anything like that. It was just eat whatever, but just basically don't eat when you're not hungry. And instead, if you're going to, if you're going to be one of those people that turns to food, because a lot of us eat when we're bored, we eat when we're, you know, emotional, we'll eat for a lot of reasons. And her point is turn to God at those times. You should really only be turning to food, you know, maybe three times a day, if that. And it should be when your body is giving those, when God is giving your body those signals. And, uh, you know, I, I think in general, I think that, I mean, I think it's important to keep your blood sugar regulated. But I also think that, I don't know, I mean, if you're, if you're, eating a piece of chocolate or you're eating, you know, just some french fries and you're choosing foods that don't have a lot of nutritional value, you can just become very sick and sallow and um and you're just not eating learning any behaviors that really teach you 
about how to maintain a, a weight loss. There was no focus on exercise or anything like that. It just really had to do with turning to God, if you're trying to turn to food, and praying, you know, what did she say? And it, it starts out with all these people, God help me lose 50 pounds, God help me lose 170 pounds. Um, you know, teach people to stop bowing to the refrigerator and bow to God instead is is basically what she would we she would speak about. And you know, that's <laughs> I mean, people people obviously lost weight, but the people that could keep it off were the ones that were in front of the church. So this woman Gwen Shamblin is the leader of this church. She's the main character. And she was married young. She had kids with this husband that was also a leader in the church. And he he had lost a lot of weight, but then over the years, he started putting it back on. So he went from having kind of being in the forefront of this church to never being seen because Gwen, basically Gwen didn't think that God was blessing you or that you were being obedient to the Lord if you put weight back on. Imagine that kind of pressure and and feeling like you were just going to get shunned in life if you gained weight. That for a lot of people that'll send them in the exact opposite direction. Um but, you know, this the way that they featured this church, just to look at it. It was built like a Barbie dollhouse. It was like glam and it seemed to have this shimmery pink stone, like rhinestones, like it was bedazzled this outside of this church. And you'd see the little girls, like all these little girls wearing tons of makeup, lipstick. And they the they wanted you to be subservient to to your partner. Uh, for the longest time, Gwen would preach against divorce. But it wasn't until she wanted to get a divorce that it was suddenly became okay. So she's, you know, the whole documentary really focuses on how much of a hypocrite she is and how she would teach people that if they, if they weren't losing weight fast enough, that they should fast. And she, this woman that had, that was on there, that was, she was a former member and on the documentary, you see she's very overweight. And you see a picture of the weight she had lost during the program. And she was saying, Gwen kept wanting me to fast and wanting me to lose more and wanting me to lose more. And I just couldn't. And you could just tell that her body was was not going to be one of the – it was never going to be possible for her to get down to rail thin like a Gwen. Gwen was, I think, normally petite in general. You know, there's different body types. Some people just have a, a, a larger body type than others. Some, some people are – teeny tiny petite and some people are more voluptuous and that's just how it is and you can't you can't force your body to be something that it's not and to try to do that causes depression and you know that's another thing that they talked about throughout the whole thing was that people were you know committing suicide and and that's the other thing about cults like this is they they make everything stay within the church. So you can't go out and seek help of a physician. You can't go on antidepressants. You can't, you know, and, and I, I, I also think, well, I also, I, I believe that America is overmedicated. I, I definitely, but I absolutely think that there is, there are, 
absolutely are people that need antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. I mean, they ha- they're here for a reason. They have a place in our society. I, I do think that there's too much of it happening, but for for a cult like this, for a re- supposed religion to be to be preaching against people talking to their doctor and seeking guidance for their their health and well-being is just insane. Like you're supposed to go to church elders who have no scientific or uh, medical background about, you know, clinical depression at times. There's a woman that that had clinical depression and Oh my God, some of the stories in this of what these people were subjected to is horrible. So you'd have, so the documentary featured all these former uh, remnant babysitters and family members of people who had been sucked in. And uh, one of the, 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 one of the first people that was speaking was saying how there was, you know, very little diversity. Um, You know, they, they just wanted everyone to kind of be like that Stepford wife image, obey their husbands, not really have a strong opinion about anything. Um, and and there were a few people of color featured. Uh, one of the women had just, she was perfectly stating all of the hypocrisy that, that Gwen brought to the table. And one of the other family members and people that were speaking out about this was the father of a girl named Delaney. And Delaney, her story would pop up throughout the series. And Delaney had fallen in love with a guy who was in the church. And the parents could just see her slipping away. They were just completely losing all influence over her. She was uh, losing weight. She was obeying the church. She was sneaking out to be with this guy. And, you know, there's really nothing you can do for anybody that's ever had a family member that struggled with addiction, that struggled with, um, you know, being, you know, being in love with somebody that's the, the uh, maybe a not so great influence, you really can't change their mind. I mean, you should see some of the freaking losers I've dated along my journey. I remember I dated this guy that was, he definitely, so I can see how people can get influenced by cults because I had met this guy at this festival. And it was the first time I had ever tried uh, ecstasy. Now I'm not promoting ecstasy. Uh, there's street drugs are just so dangerous right now because of fentanyl. Don't do them. Don't do them, kids. Um, but I did try. <laughs> he, you know, I was at this festival. I ended up stumbling across this guy. He he said something to me that just it like made me stop in my tracks and turn around and. He just had me believing, and maybe it was the influence of the drugs, but he had me believing that he was this spiritual, just special human being that was in touch with the universe. And it's hard to explain kind of how I was influenced by this person, but uh, he was definitely not a great person for me to be dating at that time. And luckily I got out of that situation, but, um, but I do see how people fall into these relationships and then get sucked into these lives of their partners. And it can be very detrimental and it can lead to death. It can lead to falling into a cult. It's, it's pretty scary. Um, anyway, so, so let's see, honor God with your body. 
So it talked about Gwen as a child. You kind of like wonder how does this happen to somebody? How do how do you become a cult leader, right? How does that happen to somebody? So Gwen was her mom always wanted her to clean her plate, which is interesting. You wonder if she had some traumatic experiences being forced to eat the food that she didn't want to eat. Uh, because maybe that was part of it. But <clears throat> what she talked about was when she went away to college and she gained like 14 pounds. And at that point, she realized that, and who knows why she started thinking this way, but she kind of started, I think, some of the practices where she wanted to get the weight off. And I think that, honestly, that's the way she did it. She would just pray to God anytime she wanted to turn to food, and she was able to lose weight that way. And, uh, you know, so, so that's where, what led her to start the, create this weight loss diet program. And, you know, when you, when you do find success and it sounds like this was a very successful program for people. I mean, when you think about the fact that a lot of people want to lose weight out there, it's the South. So, um, you know, you can tie, if you tie religion into weight loss, it'll appeal to a, a, very strongly, it'll, it will appeal to a certain percentage of, of people who are, you know, kind of God abiding people and fearful of God and wanting to be that good, uh, holy person and wanting to also lose weight. So you can see how some people would really, you know, find, uh, that this was a good fit for them. But what she would do is she would use that program as a, uh, a recruiting method for her church. So, uh, and and her church itself was very controversial because she didn't believe in the Holy Trinity. She didn't believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. She just believed in God. And she really, you know, as the documentary goes along, she kind of puts herself like right under God as if, you know, that's I mean, a lot of spiritual people, you know, they're supposed to be like in connection with God, but all these other religions, at least in in that kind of genre that she was in, was, you know, did believe in the Holy Trinity. So a lot of people shunned her, um, wanted no part of her program or her religion, the cult, because of this. And the cult was called, I think it was the Holy Remnant or something. I think that's what it was called. Uh, remnant fellowship. But uh, yeah, so, so, you know, but they were so strong in their beliefs that it was kind of like, this is the way you have to do it, or you're out. So it's like this way or the highway. And so for the people that would agree to obey and to be obedient and to, to follow all these rules, and, and and with this religion, what she did was she wanted to kind of create almost like a commune where everybody in this church were self-sufficient. So um, I think she she'd created this this these businesses that were supporting the church and supporting the community. And there was like an electrician, there was a, a car repair shop, there was I think there were they would recruit like dentistry and construction, and you know, and so they would. They would make sure that they had a member of their church in all of these different categories of of just stuff that you need in life. And so not only would that feed the church and give them plenty of resources to use at, at no cost, 
um, you know, the leadership just kept getting wealthier because they're not paying taxes. They're keeping all the money that came into the church. They're not spending anything on on anything that the rest of us humans have to in life. Uh, and 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 these members were providing free labor. So they would, I, I think some of them would give so much, but then also some of them would receive a lot, right? Because one of one of the ladies, I think she was a, a hairstylist. She said, you know, that also keeps you locked into this church because you, you, you have all this business of existing members. And if you leave, you're starting completely from scratch. So it's just this other way of them keeping control of these people. <clears throat> so, so that was kind of an, I mean, you have to give them credit for coming up with this concept and getting these people to do these things. It's, it's, it's pretty insane. Okay. So, <clears throat> so weight equals proof of purity and, you know, that's kind of their mantra. Uh, the now let's talk about Gwen's new husband. So she had been married and then she suddenly met this guy and they talk about this guy. What's his name? Joe. So her husband, Joe, that she had divorced, she, you know, so suddenly divorce is okay when she wants to marry this former Hollywood actor. So this guy, Joe, I'm pretty sure his name is Joe. Anyway, he grew up with wealthy parents in Hollywood, in the entertainment scene. He was kind of that uh, Tarzan, Fabio type with the long flowing locks, you know, that everybody had back in the day. He had some success here and there being on different shows, but nothing, nothing that was ever, nothing that enabled him to ever support himself. And so he became like a sugar, sugar, he would look for his sugar mama. So he would date older women that had resources and he would use them for their money. Uh, you know, one of the first ladies was this like six year old woman that like bought him this, this Harley Davidson that she then burned when she found out he was cheating on her. And he was kind of a drifter. He bought a place in, you know, Palmdale or something in California, which is a very low cost area. And he just kind of lived his life based on just base pleasures. Um, he was never faithful to anyone, but there was a woman that was featured throughout the documentary that was fighting for the custody of her daughter. And she had had that daughter with this guy, Joe, Gwen's new husband. And she was kind of on and off with him for a while, but finally they did end up having a baby and they had moved to Tennessee at that time. And uh, he was trying to be this country singer and he wasn't doing that well with his career. And they uh, they had the baby in Tennessee. And then the, the woman was trying to get him to move. But then he met Gwen. And then, of course, you know, the rest is history. I mean, it was kind of the perfect storm because here she is. I mean, he's a I mean, I don't think he's good looking, but I, I think there's people out there that would think he was good looking. And I'd say he was probably 10 years younger than her. Maybe if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably about 10 to maybe even 15 to 20 years younger than her, maybe 15. Anyway, you could definitely tell that there was an age difference. Um, they didn't look terrible together in terms of, you know, it wasn't like, you know, 
it, it wasn't so off, but you could definitely tell that she, he he was with her because of the resources that the church gave them. And then suddenly, you know, church members would notice that everything was go, was all about the money, all about the flash, all about the glamour. They'd be taking private jets and taking all these vacations and kind of turning people off. I mean, people were starting to be like, why is this, why are they so flaunting their money? And where's this money coming from? And oh, that's coming from us. And just like Scientology, they ha- they force their members to buy all these books and buy all these lessons and buy all these. I mean, I'm the cheapest person ever. I would not be doing this. That would get me to <laughs> drop out of that cult. I'd be like, um, excuse me, I'm not buying that book. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, they have this way of just draining the resources of these poor people. And was it? No, it was actually uh, Leah Ramini that I heard the other day on a documentary or I'm sorry, a podcast, she was talking about how, you know, Scientology did the same thing. You'd have to pay all this money and people would spend fifty, a $100,000 and then later in life, they're losing their home. Can you imagine spending that much money and getting just ripped off? I remember when I was like, you know, in my, I was like a teenager and I, you know, back then, little girls they dream about being models i i would i would never going to be able to be a model but christy brinkley was selling this thing this like modeling online thing and it, and i fell for it and it drained all my little resources that i had at the time and i was so embarrassed i i didn't shut it off for a long time and you know i lost a lot of money at a very young age i mean not a lot of money but you know hundreds of dollars uh maybe even up to a thousand dollars that you know most kids you know i had that from like working at a restaurant when i was in high school and and I, you know, I finally, when I was like, I got to stop this, this from pulling this money out of my account because I'm not, it's not doing anything. Like we're not, I'm not becoming a model. <laughs> it's not doing anything for me. And a lot of people fall into those, you know, little schemes that are, you know, they, they, they promise all this stuff, but it never really turns out. I think a lot of people that have dreams of being in entertainment or being an actor, being, you know, doing all these things, they fall for these scams. I mean, look at that LuLaRue thing. It's 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 just very interesting. Anyway, so so getting back to the podcast. So she ends up divorcing her husband and suddenly divorce is okay and she marries this guy Joe and it's this big spectacle at the church which is really interesting because she's getting married for the second time and she's in this huge gown and I mean, I'm sure the church members, I'm sure some of them were like, you guys are hypocrites. And then some of them were like, oh, phew, we can get divorced now. Because she was preaching for the, like, all these women would have to just put up with these cheating asshole husbands that were being unfaithful and just treating them poorly. And they'd have to just tolerate it because Gwen would be like, no, God doesn't want you to leave your husband. You got to forgive him. And it's like, okay, that's ridiculous. So anyway, so... Um, so it's kind of the perfect thing for this, you know, sh- this guy that wants to use women for money. And then he can, he also shot up to church leadership out of nowhere, which pissed a lot of other people off that were with the church for years, but never got to that place or ever had a chance of getting to that place. Um, <clears throat> and then it also focused on Gwen's daughter. So Gwen's daughter, now the whole 
point of this church was to, it was all about appearance. It was all about putting on this perfect facade and, you know, being a, a faithful wife and obeying your husband and, and, and anything bad that happened to you, God was punishing you. So, you know, things happen to good people, bad things happen to good people, you know, and, but they would, they would, they would treat you like you had done something wrong. And so Gwen's daughter ended up having, uh, I think it was like her five month year old little child ended up dying of, I think it was SIDS. And it was that sudden infant death syndrome. It was either that or she had a miscarriage. I can't remember which one it was, but anyway, it was a huge tragedy and nobody talked about it. Like there wasn't a funeral. There wasn't any discussion of it. They all knew that she was either pregnant or had had this baby. And then then they all knew what had happened, but they just weren't discussing it, which is insane. You'd think that they would want the prayers of their church. But the way that Gwen interpreted it was something – well – You'd think that she would think, oh, my daughter's done something wrong or I've, you know, our family is being uh, shunned by God or punished by God for something. But she ends up turning it on the other church members and they all felt anxiety because they felt that they had someone amongst them had done something to cause this, which is so insane. I mean, imagine feeling like you're the cause of someone else's baby's death for no reason and it's 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 crazy the kind of influence they had but but what it what the what the documentary focused on was just how much that daughter must have been suffering because she couldn't talk to anybody about it she couldn't you know she's probably had postpartum you know having to just deal with that all on her own and and to act like nothing was wrong can you imagine that? It's just, it's insane to me. And you could definitely see that her daughter was painfully, painfully, painfully thin. I mean, not well, not well, bitch, like not well, did not look good, Uh, looked very frail. And, you know, like she has anorexia. And, you know, I mean, imagine having a mother that, you know, wouldn't talk to you or, or, or wouldn't treat you well, or would think that you weren't being blessed by God or doing your duty by God to gain some weight. I mean, it's just this insane amount of pressure and it's, it's not something that any person should have to deal with. And, and the, the mental, what it can do to your mental state, I I can't even imagine. So, so it showed the daughter, it talked about kind of the trauma in the family and, and just how nothing was ever supposed to be discussed. And the, the girl was being groomed to take over the church because the son was kind of like the dad. The son had um, fluctuations in weight. He would, you know, leave the property, leave the whole, church, uh, leave Tennessee for days and go on these benders. You know, he's into music. He was probably, you know, he'd probably go out and <laughs> go to like every fast food restaurant on the way out of there, um, would do drugs. I mean, you know, that's what happens. You go to the extreme opposite when you're so restricted. And, you know, I'm sure he had a lot of inner turmoil. So, you know, and there were other members that would share, um, how the church created these disordered eating habits and how, oh my God, there was this one woman 
who's literally made me want to jump through the screen and choke this guy out. She said to her husband, oh, uh, and this woman was like painfully thin. Uh, oh, should I get this Starbucks? It was like, the you know, like a mochaccino or, you know, something that had some calories and some milk in it, whatever. And the husband was like, well, do you want that or do you want dinner? I'm like, oh, you try to say that to me. I'll, I'll murder you. I mean, seriously. And she was, I mean, she, she, the woman definitely knew that there was something wrong with that, but, um, it wasn't until she collapsed and ha- almost had a stroke. I think she did have a stroke. Her electrolytes were down. She was running she was on no fuel. I actually had a friend that was dieting like that in San Diego and she just wasn't eating enough salt, I guess. And we were out, um, you know, it was a really hot day and she was probably sweating and she ended up passing out. She started speaking gibberish. We were just, I didn't, I wasn't there, but she just started speaking it completely just it was not English. And we were like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she couldn't really communicate. And we knew something was happening to her. And luckily they brought her to the hospital and they, you know, they gave her some electrolytes, but it was because of malnutrition. She just didn't have enough of the right nutrients and minerals to, um, you know, your body will, you can die from that, I think. Uh, but anyway, it can cause a lot of, um, a lot of issues when you don't, when you have an imbalance in, in electrolytes or you're lacking electrolytes, we would have our weight loss clients, we would have them uh, use Morton's light salt. They would have to have like a teaspoon of it every day just to make sure that they they were getting enough sodium in their diet. So, so then let's see. So then now it gets very, very dark. Um, the it so i think it was the second episode there's three episodes and it's still ongoing so there's going to be more but it talks about how it's 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 just so sad there was a, a death of a little boy his name was joseph the mother's name was sonia and basically they would you know because they weren't allowed to go out of the church and get other counseling they would turn to gwen to try to figure out how to handle disciplining their children and the church was very supportive of beating your children which is just a great idea clearly um so they would use these different techniques of <clears throat> getting them to be obedient and and being obedient was like a sign that God was blessing you and that, you know, you have to have obedient children or you're not a good parent. And and they they basically counseled this woman when her little boy, this poor little boy, God, I can't imagine the life that he had. It's just, it's, it, when I think about his day-to-day and his short life, that poor, poor child, it, it, it literally breaks my heart. Um. But he, oh God, he was one of the calls that she, when she, because it was videotaped or it was taped on the phone when this woman called Gwen to figure out how to dis- how to handle her child, and she was actually saying, "Oh, you actually helped me the other day. We, um, you know, we we were having struggles, and Ted told us that we should take away all of his iPads and all of his technology and take out all the toys and everything from his room and just lock him in there for a few days. And, and he, yeah, and, and, and with just a Bible, 
And when, you know, when we went in a few days later, he was just sitting there peacefully reading his Bible. I mean, hopefully they gave him food and water. It's doubtful. Uh, but, and, and she was like, you're blessed, you're blessed. That means God is blessing you. It's, this is a miracle and not feeling any type of, there's no, no, there's no caution of, oh, we might be damaging these children or, oh, these parents might not, might be taking it to an extreme. And the guy that, that gave that order, basically Ted, this this asshole Ted, who was a church leader, good-looking guy, and that's probably why he was so prominent in the church. He was he had lost a lot of weight. He had maintained it. You could tell he put a lot of work and time and effort and pride into his physique. And he, you know, he was up there. He was he was always he was always involved. Anytime there was a husband that had cheated on a wife, he would be there to talk the wife into into taking him back. Oh, do this favor for me. Like, you know, that put them in this very compromised position where what else were they supposed to do? So, God, I cannot imagine this guy, Ted. And he was one of the ones that went down in that plane crash. So, Ted, if you're down there, I hope you're hearing this podcast right now. Anyway, so um, one of the ladies that was featured uh, towards the end of this 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 last episode, she'd shaven her her head. She she was bald, and it was because the church just was. She was trying to just basically start over fresh. Um, she had had a lot of children, and the message to her was that I think there was a time when she was really tired and she just didn't want to have sex, and the, her husband went and complained to Ted, and. Suddenly, you know, the church members are involved in her sex life and she's being counseled to like have a couple glasses of wine at the end of the day and just submit to your husband and be more exciting, lose more weight, be thin, be submissive. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's just so these poor women are just trying to recenter themselves in the real world after being, you know, just just subjected to this, this, this. Oh, this terrible, um, mind-altering, submissive way of being. It's it's just it's literally insane. But the saddest story in this was that some of the practices that they would this this family would go to with this little boy that died. So I, apparently, the way he actually finally passed was they. They put him in a box. Oh my God. It's they they bring it out in court and they had put him in the in the box and he had like popped his head out. And I think it was the dad slammed his hand against the top of the box and basically cracked the kid's head open and then tied tied a rope around the box so he couldn't get out. And so and then hours later they realize he's not responding and not making any noise and they bring him to the hospital and the the coroner determined that he had been killed by either it was a combination of blunt force trauma to the head and also suffocation and it's just it's, oh god it literally just breaks my heart 
And and the, the craziest thing is that the church is defending the parents. I mean, it's not crazy. It's just it's a cult. So that's what they do. They defend theirs. They act like they were just disciplining their child as any parent should do and that it was it was a tragic accident and and this is a family that had had i think one, at least one or maybe even two other children die i think there was one other child that died from apparently sids but who the hell knows the kid was probably making too much noise in his crib and they suffocated him i mean who knows it's just it's it's not coincidence and you know so so that that phase ended with or that that last part ended with um, you know, just the trial that they were going through and them trying to defend these parents. And they, the parents went to jail. I mean, they were put away for life, thank God. Um, but, but just tragic and just a crazy, crazy documentary. There's going to be more to come. So we'll, we'll definitely do another update once that, once that last part comes out and we can see, you know, the results of the uh, investigation into the plane crash, which is really interesting. Um, but I am glad that, I mean, the, the girl that's going to be taking over the church, I, I don't have high hopes that she's going to be any better than Gwen. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think that that's also what they're going to be focusing on in the next part is like how she's carrying on the tradition. Now, there are some people out there that were hypothesizing that maybe this plane crash actually didn't happen and that Gwen was just trying to escape persecution from this uh, being involved in this little boy's death because they are being investigated because a lot of people spoke out about their practices and that they were they were given guidance to to beat this little boy so i think they would have eventually gotten their comeuppance uh in the court system if they hadn't died in this plane crash so i guess we'll see if there was evidence of their bodies i i imagine that there are there was because uh because you know there hasn't been anything official on the documentary that's talked about this um, this potential for them to still be alive. It was just other podcasters that were hypothesizing on it. So I, I don't think that there's any credibility in that. But we shall see. Uh, so stay tuned for the next episode. Well, thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at The Diet Obsessed. You can write to us at The Diet Obsessed at Gmail. And that's the show for today. I wish you all a balanced week.